Welcome back, everybody. How are you all doing? It's Monday. Dominic Lee, it's so good to be back here with you again. Apologies to everyone for not being here on Friday, but I'm here now. That's all that matters. And I'm prepared. The past is the past. Because we had a hell of a card Saturday. Oh, did we ever. A card that, once again, I'm going to keep saying it because y'all keep talking shit. Another card that on paper maybe didn't have the biggest names, that wasn't the most stacked compared to you know some of these other fight nights we've gotten lately. But it delivered. Oh. Look at all the finishes, especially on the prelims. And then the main card was pretty good, too, including our main event with a very exciting finish. Hello. Shout out Derek Lewis. Black Beast. Broke the, and now he's got the... the tied tie. for the all-time KOTKO record in the UFC with 12. Who's he, he tied, tied with? with? Vitor Belfort. <laughs> Interesting. Right? Not the name I thought you were going to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was a great night of fights and obviously excited to talk about him. It's been a while for me since we we didn't have a Wednesday episode. But how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, like you said. An amazing night of fights. Uh, I grinded out some articles this week. It was fun with Overtime Heroics doing something different. Did mm-hmm. my first recap, you know. Just, yeah. I'm starting to up the numbers. Yeah. You know? You're, I'm, you I'm are pressing. Full, Dominic is fully embracing his role as a member of the MMA elite. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I couldn't be more proud. Thank you. You're my biggest supporter. And, <laughs> That's uh, right. did, a, did some, did some, uh, some fun things, you know, for the podcast down oh, the yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. But that's all discreet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's discreet. Y'all, y'all gonna be y'all are on a need to know basis, yeah, and right yeah. now you don't you need don't. to know. But uh, you know, great week, great night of fights, Noah. I know you had a great week. Update the people. You're back. Just let them get them a little rundown before we start talking about some. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was you know just still working from home right now. Uh, been a lot of snow. <laughs> that's been a theme. Um. So it's I can been, barely walk in my damn door. Yeah, so I didn't really leave the house too much um, this past week, but you know, so it's been a little boring, I guess you could say. But you know, things are starting to pick up a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, these these fight cards that we talk about that we get on usually a weekly basis at this point. That's kind of my it's kind of my highlights. You mm-hmm. know? So I, I'm I'm excited just to talk about it. But before we get into the fights that happened Saturday night. Y'all know what time it is. They better. It's time for the news. The news. We got three fight announcements. Fun ones. All good ones, All good. too. Yeah, yeah. So we got one coming up March 20th. That is, man, it is almost March. Mm-hmm. Wow. And we got a ranked fighter to talk about and another guy who's an up-and-comer looking to take that spot from him. Mm-hmm. Brad Rydell, the up-and-comer, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Nine and one, going up against Gregor Gillespie. He's back. After a year and a half, pretty much. Hasn't fought since his first professional loss to Kevin Lee yeah. in a brutal fashion. In brutal fashion. And I'm curious, first, what your thoughts are going to be on this. But second, you know, what kind of Gregor are we going to be getting here? I'm, I'm very curious what your thoughts are. It's weird because Gregor, when he fought Kevin Lee, was already, like, really under the radar. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a uh, Diego Ferreira in that sense. Yeah. Especially for the lightweight division, he was he was that Kevin Lee fight was his biggest stage, yeah. and obviously he kind of got put yeah. on a highlight tape. So, not necessarily the way you want to yeah. make your entrance. But if he would have won that, I think it could have taken him to a greater heights. Um, really, neither of those guys are really see. You know, they're both kind of been inactive 
recently. I think, well, Kevin's only fought once he since fought then. Charles, it was Oliveira. And yeah. after that, he, I believe, tore his ACLs. ACLs so and all that crazy he, stuff. So, you know, we, both those guys have been relatively inactive, but Gregor especially. Like, it felt like we hadn't heard about him even talking. About, he hadn't even yeah. been rumored for fights. That was November 2019 when he fought Kevin Lee. So he's ranked 15th. So he's down to 15 now. Yeah. Okay. And um, I will say I think it's smart. For, I, I, I do think this is a good matchup to come back to. And it's a good fight for Rydell. Yeah, and I'm not saying that that's, that's not because Rydell is not a good fighter, but it's another guy who's still working his way up up the rankings. Another guy with just one loss, but it's not some stud in this killer yeah, row like, of lightweight that's to come what back I'm, to if you're That's Gregor. what I'm kind of getting yeah. at. And, um, you know, Brad Rydell, 9-1, five of his wins via TKO KO, yeah, yeah. no submission wins. So you got a big style clash there where you have a guy who's going to want to keep it on the feet. Gregor's Gregor, a great grappler. A grinder. Mm-hmm. That, dude will, that dude does not stop at anything for those takedowns. And we saw it happen when it stays on the feet. We did. And However, that was a guy that wasn't even, you know, Kevin Lee's not known as a striker. Yeah. That was a hell of a hand kick. And I will say, as even though Rydell's 3-0 in the UFC, all three of his fights have went to a decision. Mm-hmm. One, Magomed Mustafaev, split decision. That's another guy to keep watch out mm-hmm. for. But, you know, his his UFC career so far has not shown that finishing ability. You know, before he was in the UFC, he finished pretty much all of his wins. So, I'm curious. I'm, I'm interested to see what kind of fight we'll get there. His one loss, armbar submission. And not that Gregor necessarily is pulling off submissions like that off his back or anything, but it, it, it does make me wonder what whose style is going to kind of come out yeah. on top. And I think to add to this discussion, Gregor, elephant in the room, year and a half layoff, what kind of guy are we getting in there? Mm-hmm. You know, we just saw another guy who was highly touted make a return named uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio. Yeah. And he got kind of flat. stiff, you know. Yeah, he got, I mean, against Li Jing Liang, who, yeah. all respect to him, a great fighter, a guy I even picked to win that fight. But... Ponzinibbio looked slower, he looked smaller, he just didn't look like the same guy that we had seen destroying Neil oh. Magny in his, at a, <laughs> headlining a fight night. And I just wonder if Gregor's going to have that same kind of ring rust, or right. however you want to word it. So do you think that might be the case, or do you feel like... Because it appears that injuries haven't really played a factor in him sitting out this long, at least not... <laughs> I I've not heard anything. Yeah, there's literally been nothing about him. So, so it's have... hard to tell, but I'm just saying that it doesn't appear that injuries have been a factor, and it yeah. seems like he just took some time Maybe away. Maybe he did just want to take some time away. First loss, it was a brutal loss. It's a tough one. Regain, of course, COVID in 2020 didn't help, probably, if there were fights, at least under the radar, that weren't out publicly that were trying to get made. So this is a good fight for both guys, and I... I am curious to see how Gregor bounces back, though. That's yeah. what I want to see the most. And it's coming up soon. We're literally a little less than a month away at this yeah. point. So March is just crazy. Yeah. So that'll be a good fight for that fight night on March 20th. Moving on. Now we got two fights happening in May, back-to-back weeks. Starting mm-hmm. May 8th, fight night. Holly Holm, Juliana Pena. Yep. Not the matchup I thought we would get. Not at all. But I'm happy to see it. It's a fresh one. Yeah, that's my point because these two ladies were on the fight night where it was headlined by Holly Holm, Irene Aldana. Co-main was Jermaine Durandamy and Juliana Pena. That's where Pena got kind of an embarrassing loss in a way. 
Great fight, too. Great fight. Yeah. And not that Juliana looked bad, but she embarrassing got submitted by, by... Got the first time ever yeah. in JDR's GDR, excuse me, GDR's career where she got a submission win. Yeah. While in the main event, Holly Holm put on a one of the a, best performances. A very underrated performance for that year, in a year filled with awesome yeah. performances. But she looked incredible against Aldana, yeah. who was really making a push for like a title shot after that knockout she had of Kelly Vieira. Mean, she styled on her. So I really thought coming off that fight, I'm like, okay, I think Holly Holm and GDR are just gonna have to have a rematch. As much as I hate the first fight. It just seemed like this the one right would have thing been at one thirty-five, maybe a little better. But you know. in a way, I'm kind of, even though I said that in that episode, I was like, okay, hey, you do the rematch because they both won. They're both like the top two bantamweights. You do that fight. However, I can't say that I'm not more excited for this one. Well, I mean, you know, if Juliana wins, she would be next because yeah. she's yet to fight Amanda. Whereas Holm and GDR. Both have already, so that's the biggest thing going for Pena. Of course, we all know Juliana called out Amanda after her most <laughs> yeah. recent win against Sarah McMahon. That was crazy. I respect it, though. I'm not hating on it. And uh, as we know, Amanda's busy at featherweight. Come, uh, gosh, that's only two weeks away now. Woo-hoo. Anyway, yeah, that's a fun fight. Pena, of course, the grapple-heavy fighter. Holly, literally like a world champion boxer. So, interesting. How do you foresee it going with the striker-grappler matchup here? Juliana can hold her own on the feet, but we saw GDR was definitely getting the better of her. She was, but Juliana had a very good ability to get that fight to the ground. And not that GDR has much of a takedown defense. You saw that against Amanda Nunes. Her takedown defense leaves a little something to be desired. Holly Holm is a tough person to take down. She's so fast. Not only that, but her her striking is probably... All around, in and out, the boom, best, boom, gone. Maybe the best striker in the women's divisions outside of Amanda. I mean, she's incredible, and she showed that against Aldana. She's not slowing down, despite the fact that she's thirty-eight. Yeah, she. She's is. up there. She's a thirty-nine. Thirty-nine. Yeah, man, is she gonna look at either physically? So, she's such a beast. I think that on paper, I think Holly appears to have the advantage because her striking's very elite. And she does have very good takedown defense. While Juliana, while being a good grappler, um, and not being bad on the feet either. I, I, w- I would even go as far to say that she, she does pretty well on the feet. She won't be able to hang with Holly on the feet. Right. At least you wouldn't think so. So then taking her to the ground, though, is just harder than... Easier said than done. Easier said than yeah. done. So I think Holly on paper has the advantage, but... It, Juliana did look really good in her last fight against McMahon, who's another really tough Came fighter. from behind, really showed yeah. her toughness in that one. And also, just based on the fact that Pena called out the champ champ, the GOAT of women's MMA. She don't care. It tells me that she's really making a push in 2021 to make that what yeah. people made fun you of know, at the time a reality. But it, it, for her, it makes sense. I mean, she literally, if she wins... She will be next because she hasn't fought Amanda. It's just it's just hard for me to even imagine Holly really being on her back, really being right. on the ground outside of the Misha Tate fight where yeah. she lost her belt. Outside of that, she's I don't know if I've seen her be taken down or on her back. Or she anything. wins or loses on the feet. Yeah, so it's um, I like the matchup. I do. Yeah, and I, and I don't think I'm not going to count out Juliana. I don't want it to come off like that. I just think that Holly's got a more clear route to victory based on the strengths and weaknesses of both fighters. Mm-hmm. 
Do you have any other thoughts on that one? Well said. On to the next. Yeah, so a week later, May 15th, UFC yeah. 262. This one's hot off the presses. That's supposed to be the pay-per-view in May. Hot off the presses. Our big fight at flyweight gets announced. The number four ranked Alex Perez. He's the guy that fought Davison Figueredo for the belt at UFC 255. His next matchup's going to be against Matt Schnell. That's right, it's Matt Schnell. Yeah, not Max. Not Max Schnell from the movie Cars. <laughs> if you don't know, you just need to go find <laughs> but him. But Matt Schnell's ranked seventh. This is happening in UFC 262. Great fight. That is a really good fight. And it, it just makes a lot of sense. I mean, truthfully, you know, Perez was kind of, uh, um, what do you call it? Like, he was, he was really shot out of a cannon into that title picture. They, well, he was looked at as he's going to be the contender series guy that can win a belt. Yeah. So, and truthfully, he went up against an absolute killer. Yeah. And that's just unfortunate for him. Yeah. But at the same time, he, he does show a lot of promise Still a very young guy. Matt Schnell has had a mixed run of things, but coming off a very, very good clean, win, yeah. very clean performance against Tyson Nam. What are your thoughts here? He's won two of his last three. The lone loss coming to Pantoja. We know how good Pantoja was. Pantoja was start. the reason that that win for uh, Alex Perez yeah. with the leg kicks. That's how he got that title exactly. shot against. So Davison. this is fun because Matt Schnell is literally like a really crisp technical boxer. <laughs> Perez is a very aggressive and well-rounded, but a grapple-heavy guy at the end of the day when it comes down to it. Mm-hmm. But I think if it is on the feet, it's not necessarily one-sided for Schnell. Because I think Perez presents a few more problems than just the hands. We've seen literally finish fight with leg kicks, and he's got yeah. good body work. I think this is going to be a really good fight, a grinded-out style fight. For Schnell, it'll be his biggest test, mm-hmm. his biggest platform. Again, he lost to Pantoja, but now he's bumping up to fight number four. This division's always just so crazy, so who knows what could be for the winner of this. And Perez, can he bounce back from a devastating title loss? Yeah, one that came so quickly and really didn't give him much of an opportunity to showcase Mm -hmm. much of anything. The title picture's kind of taken up at this point. You're inevitably going to get a rematch with Davison and Brandon Moreno sometime, I would hope, in the summer. And then you got Pantoja, who's kind of making a a big run of things back after his big win. Ascar and Joey B are fighting. Oh, oh, yeah, don't even... Yeah, don't forget Ascar. Literally on the prelims, that's why. Yeah, but I you can't forget that one just because those two guys, whoever wins that, could be next. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so for Alex Perez, he does have that win over Pantoja. So you think if he gets a win here, that kind of inserts him around like third on the totem pole. Yeah. You do Moreno rematch, winner of that, fights the winner of Ascar, Joey B, maybe – if uh, Alex Perez wins this fight, maybe he gets the loser of Ascar, Joey B. It just, yeah. it, it all depends. And That's if Joey B were to beat Ascar, but Davison holds his belt, they're not going to do Joey B and no. Biggie again. A lot so of then it's depends. like, oh, Pantoja might just get a title A lot shot. of it depends on if Moreno can actually yeah. win the belt or yeah. if Davison holds on. If Davison decides to relinquish, go to Bantamweight like I am predicting him to do at some point this year. Um, but that's a topic for a different video. <laughs> It's just a good fight to make, and I think if you want to even sidestep into another potential matchmaking here, I think that opens up uh, old Brandon Royval. You got to do Raw Dog and Pantoja. Yeah, I, I love that fight. Got to do it. Got to do I'm that. I'm a huge Brandon. Uh, yeah, I'm a huge Brandon Royval fan. I've been on we, his train for. You a want while. to talk about somebody we stand? It's Brandon Royval. It's Raw Dog Royval. Yeah, but Pantoja looked. He looks very so good. good. Yeah. 
against um, a former champion at Ryzen, Manel Cape. Yeah. So. And Manel Cape having all that hype. Yeah. I really thought Cape was going to come in there and make a big showcase, and Pantoja just kind of neutralized everything. Mm-hmm. So a lot of moving pieces in the flyweight division. Keep a lookout for it, though. These fights do tend to get kind of pushed to the bottom of these cards, you know, like Joey B. Asgard yeah. on the prelims, even though it's a literally high-profile <laughs> matchup. So keep a lookout for some of these guys who might be fighting Davison or Moreno in the future, and um, don't just pay attention to as, as awesome as Davison is and now Brandon Moreno is kind of showing to be. There's a lot of guys in this division oh, yeah. making some noise. We love the flyweights. Mm-hmm. But that is happening UFC 262, May 15th. But I think that's the end of the news. The news. Let's get into some fights. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm going to start by just going over the results of our six-fight main card. We started our night at heavyweight. Hey, <laughs> and we ended it with heavyweight. Yeah, we did. And... um. Three heavyweight fights. Yeah, this one hurts on me a little card. bit. Yeah. Uh, Tom Aspinall, who is one of the best prospects in the heavyweight division. Oh, yeah. Uh, he got probably his first, I would say his first test in the veteran, the former UFC heavyweight champion, and my best friend, Andre <laughs> Arlovsky. Aspinall passed the test. Yes. Getting a rear naked choke submission a minute and nine seconds into the second round. I'll, I know you'll want to talk more about that later, but... Um, just what a sub- what a great submission for him for a guy who a lot of people questioned his abilities striking, yeah. to get to the ground and everything. After that middleweight, Phil Halls gained a majority decision over Nasardin Imavov, 29-28 on two judges scorecards for Halls, and then there was a 28-28 draw in there as well. Kind of a bit of a dud. Yeah, I that was my predicted fight of the <laughs> you night. You know, it, it just sometimes that's the way it goes. Yeah. After that, another heavyweight fight. Chris Dawkins, another, another one of these yep. heavyweight prospects. This is going to be a theme here. Yep. Uh, he gets the TKO win a minute and 55 seconds into the very first round over Alexi Olenek. Yeah, it was, Apparently some controversy with the stoppage, it was, but yeah. I have a hard time uh, buying into that. <clears throat> then we move on to featherweight. Derek, is it Miner? Minner? Let's go with Minner. Derek Minner getting a very... Very lopsided, unanimous decision yeah. win over Charles Rosa. Very grapple heavy. Thirty. No, the, the scorecard's a little wild. Literally three one. different scorecards. 30-26, 30-27, and then 29-27 on the three judges' scorecards. Then our co-main event. At catch weight, 138 pounds. Yana Kunitskaya ends up pulling away with the unanimous decision win over Ketlin Vieira, 29-28 on all three judges' scorecards. And then the big matchup, a heavyweight. One that I think a lot of people, this was the biggest underdog win in a main event yeah. since yeah. Michael Bisping yep. over Luke Rockhold at UFC 199. CR, UFC 199, pay-per-view classic review. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. The biggest under, I'm kind of shocked he was a plus 350. Yeah. Um, now that I'm looking at it. But a lot of people were really thinking that Blades was just going to grind this one out, kind of mm-hmm. like he did against Volkov and other guys before that. Including myself. But Lewis decided to turn Curtis Blades to a plank of wood. Yeah. Uh, a minute um, 26 seconds into the second round uh, with a vicious uppercut just completely slept Curtis Blades. You want to talk about a perfectly timed shot. <laughs> Derek Lewis continues to be the biggest anomaly in the UFC Man. and in MMA as a whole. What a guy. Really, just one of the biggest characters and 
And he's an animal, man. He's <laughs> I mean, 16 and 5 in the UFC. Yeah, like it's a guy crazy. who really just doesn't quite get the respect he deserves. He, yeah. But also... He's an animal. He, he's such an anomaly because he's not the most skilled, technically, yeah. fighter. Especially when... If you guys... I, I challenge everyone to go look up some clips of uh, people breaking down uh, Derek Lewis's, like, uh, what would you call it? His grappling defense. Uh, because there is none. He literally just stands up. He stands up. He's like, nope, I don't want to be on the ground. I get up now. It's it's and he does. It's quite odd. It is because you would think that that would open him up to some sort of submission or no. He just, something. Nope. He just he's stands just like, up. Nope, I'm gonna stand up. And then the guy that was on top of him is like, um, that's Come again? Not, yeah, what are we doing? <laughs> but regardless, we'll talk about all of those in a second. However, Ooh. new segment on the show that we we introduced. Tell him about it. Last week, prelim notable. Prelim notable. So this is just an opportunity for me and for Dom to give our guy on the prelims or woman who stood out the most to us. Mm-hmm. Who was the biggest takeaway for us on the prelims? Kind of gives those people a chance to shine a little bit since we usually only talk about the main cards. I'm going to let you start here. Miss Casey O'Neill. Yeah. I mean, this is the probably the biggest one as a whole. Yeah. Born... In Scotland, fighting out of Australia, undefeated coming into this fight, takes on Shayna Dobson, who had just come off of that huge win, one of the biggest upset wins in UFC history when Shayna Dobson, oh gosh, I can't remember the girl that she beat, but it was a crazy upset fight, because we were talking about it, how Shayna was going to get destroyed, and then we looked like idiots, and everybody hated us for that, you know, you know what I'm saying. So... Casey looked absolutely incredible start to finish here, super aggressive, these two came out and we're just throwing hands. This really was the best fight that I watched on this whole card last yeah. night. There was no official fight of the night given, but this was up there for me. Very fun first round. Back and forth, Casey began to implement the grapple-heavy style near the end. And then round two, it was all Casey from, from the get-go. Took Shana down. Held the top mount for nearly the entire round. And then eventually gets the TKO finish. Three minutes and 41 seconds into that second round. Casey O'Neill now 6-0, 1-0 in the UFC against a very game opponent in Shayna Dobson. We may or may not have just witnessed the birth of a future title contender at flyweight last Well, night. especially considering this flyweight division is really looking for those challengers mm-hmm. to fill out that top 15. You know, a lot of times these, well, these ladies are in this division are getting a win or two wins and they're immediately in the top 15. Yeah. You know, it's, it's still, they're still filling out that roster there, so... Uh, for her, a huge win. Shayna Dobson, we, we've talked, you know, she did have a huge win in her last fight against someone who, uh, what was the name of the... I know, man. I literally just blanked on it as well. I got it right here. Uh, Maria Agapova. Yeah, because it was one of the biggest upset victories in yeah, UFC cause, history. Because now her record, Shayna Dobson, four and five. Yeah. So you look at that and you go, oh, okay, well, Casey O'Neill beat someone who's not very good. The record that's really isn't put on perspective. I mean, the way Dobson looked against Agapova, though, you can't she take dominated. that away. So for Casey O'Neill to get a win like that, you got to think she's knocking on the door for top 15 already. Yeah, and she looked so well-rounded. Mm-hmm. She looked good on the feet, and the grappling was next level. I'd like to see her get one more. Oh, yeah. And then you start oh, yeah. talking top 15. But regardless, The women's flyweight division. I, I've been top saying the bottom. I've been saying it. Top to bottom, man. It's it's gonna be tough to to uh, dethrone 
uh, our champion Valentina. Yeah, but um, but I'm just saying and it's that rounding out. Yeah, it's really rounding out, and I'm I'm very happy about that. So for my prelim notable, there's a lot of options, but you know, know Casey O'Neill was definitely like the biggest takeaway in my opinion. So then I had to think, do I want to go strictly off of a performance or more so as like a fight as a whole? And this time, usually I would probably go performance because it's meant to showcase a certain fighter. So I will just say, shout out to Eamon Zahabi. I feel like he's very, like I feel like he deserves kind of to be spoken about a little bit. However, it's not going to be who I focus on here. I'm going to go with Julian Rosa for his win over Nate Landwehr with that flying knee 56 seconds into the first round. What a wild day. fight, man. 56 seconds of beautiful chaos. So, Nate Landwehr has been a guy on my radar basically since he debuted in the UFC. He had made quite a name for himself uh, fighting for, and I'm going to blank on it now, where was Connor double champ at? Um, cage fighting? Yeah, or cage, cage Fury. Cage, cage Warriors. Cage Warriors. Cage Warriors. Yeah. Nate Landwehr, I believe, made a name for himself in uh Cage Warriors. I'm actually going to cross-check that real quick just so I don't sound stupid. Yeah, see, I'm wrong. He was fighting for, like, M1 Challenge. Uh, so he was fighting some higher-level competition. Basically, my point is that he was definitely making a name for himself yeah. on the regional circuit. Uh, coming into the UFC, being 13-2. and two. He comes to bang. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> he started his UFC career on a... Interesting note where he got literally flatlined with a knee by Mr. Herbert Burns, another big prospect, and that one coming in the first round. Then he got a decision win over Darren Elkins. That fight was crazy. Yeah. And then he comes into this fight with Arosa, Julian Arosa, who is 31 years old right now, will be 32 in July. After this win, he's 25 and 8. The guy's been doing it for a long time. And this was something that stood out to me. The guy's got 25 wins. 11 via knockout, 11 via submission. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, the guy is very well-rounded. And getting that that kind of highlight real KO and having such an exciting fight, even though it literally went less than a minute, yeah. I had to give him a shout-out because I just it makes me want to watch him again. Hey, technically, I see, te- technically these are the kind of That's the kind of fights that are going to get you higher up on a card. And ladies and gentlemen, he landed a flying knee. Yeah. That's how he finished the fight. He and, went in for ground and pound. But. And listen, there's a reason they kept this guy around because mm-hmm. listen to this Arosa is from Dana White's contender series he got a knockout head kick over Jamal Emmers then he dropped three straight fights in the UFC to Devontae Smith Grant Dawson and Julio Arce man that's honestly two of those three especially tough then fights. he gets cut gets a win at cage sport 60 comes back and has now won two straight there you go. So he had a, a Darce choke and then this flying knee KO. So look at that. Showing just, I, I love the well-roundedness. I love that he's a finisher, but he finishes the fight anywhere. Yeah. So I'm just giving him a shout out. I don't know how, I don't know what his ceiling is. You know, it might be, a, you know, he's already 32. He's still got a ways to go before he's really hitting like a top 15. But for putting on such an exciting fight for as short as it just was. freaking awesome. I love those kind of scrap em fights, you know, as as much as as much as like a technical war, you mm-hmm. know. And sometimes those fights just they're a little bit appealing as well. So Julian Rosa, you are my prelim notable. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome you are to now the club. etched in stone. <laughs> now we move on to our main card. I'm gonna let Dominic start here with our heavyweight 
opener. Tom Aspinall versus Andre Arlovsky. So for those of you that don't know or didn't catch the preview Friday, big Aspinall guy here. Yep, and I'm a big Arlovsky. And Noah's a big Arlovsky guy. So uh, get out. We've been at odds. So Aspinall, I just love seeing prospects in the heavyweight division because it's really stale. It's so top-heavy. But now, all of a sudden, we have guys like Aspinall. We have guys like Chris Dawkins, who we're going to talk about later. Aspinall, out of the UK, trains with the likes of uh, guys like Darren Till uh, over there in Liverpool. An absolute stud. Boxing, so crisp, so fast, his hands. And, uh, you know, he looked great. Nearly finished the fight in the first round. Had Arlovsky badly hurt up against the cage. When he started hitting him in the body, I felt it watching from my TV. Yeah. It was very brutal. But Arlovsky, being the veteran that he is, weathered the storm. And, uh, you know, from there I was like, okay, Aspinall's got a little test here. Andre's not going out easy. But then, listen, when I say this was one of the quickest, so a minute 19 or a minute 09, whatever, into the second round is when the fight ended. Aspinall, after, you know, feeling out on the feet, lands a double leg takedown, beautifully timed, may I add, Mm -hmm. as Andre went in for a punch, timed it perfectly. For a guy that's known as a boxer, by the way, his grappling's pretty damn good. His dad teaches Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Well, what's funny is Aspinall BJJ. A lot of the questions about him were going to be his grappling because yeah. he's been so polished on the feet. People yeah. thought he might struggle with the grappling. Didn't show it here. Yeah, this was his second submission win. He gets the takedown. All the and immediately the the force behind it forces him straight to the cage. Immediately transitions to back mount. Immediately locks in a rear naked choke. And I kid you not, from the time he wrapped his arms around Andre's legs to the tap. Plus or minus, give or take one or two, ten seconds, the whole process. Mm-hmm. One of the quickest takedown to sub- to back mount, to submission transitions, and then gets the freaking victory. Unbelievable stuff out of a guy known as a boxer. Yeah. Um, I'll say it. I predicted Arlovsky to win this fight. I guess I should feel somewhat lucky I wasn't You You do need to let them know as we go what your predictions were because they didn't hear. Yeah, yeah, that's so, what I'm going to do. Yeah. So Because I text them to Dom before yeah. the card started so that way they would be... Etched and stone yeah, as so well. So that way I didn't, I didn't cheat and yeah. switch them after the fact. But I had Arlovsky winning this fight via decision. And in my head, I fully expected... The way the first round played out, was I nervous? Of course. But that's always the case with an Arlovsky fight. In my head, I was like, if he can weather this storm... It looked like towards the end of the first round, Aspinall was starting to slow down a little bit. Arlovsky looked like he was getting a little more comfortable. I went, okay, I'm still holding strong on my decision prediction for Arlovsky. Yeah, Arlovsky did not look bad at all. No, he looked a little slow. And, I mean, that's a lot of that's because Aspinall was 15 years younger. Yeah. 42 versus 27. Yeah. Um, so Aspinall, of course, having the speed advantage and the power advantage. But I just really thought Arlovsky's veteran quality was just going to shine through and i think it could have however again maybe arlovsky just not being ready for the 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 grappling of aspinall <laughs> maybe he was just fully expecting us to be a stand-up fight um i'll say this because i wasn't on the, the show friday my whole reason for why i thought arlovsky was going to be able to get this win had to do with if you go back to the last couple times Arlovsky's been matched up with these young uh, guns. Young guns. I mean, not even like his last win over Tanner Bozer. That was another guy in a similar place mm-hmm. to where Aspinall is. And Arlovsky looked really good in that fight. 
But if you go back before when he was losing to these guys, when he was because Arlovsky really for the last three years, four years even, has been basically the gatekeeper mm-hmm. for these prospects to be like sink or swim. Yeah, can you be a guy like this and and really take on top fifteen mm-hmm. level talent? So we'll start with Francis Ngannou, <laughs> who knocked out Arlovsky in the first round. Mm-hmm. His next fight after that was being the I want to say the third fight of the main card on UFC 218 where he fought Alistair Overeem. And it was a very high-profile matchup. He obviously got up maybe knocked out of the year. One of the craziest uppercuts ever. Yep. And then you got Jarzinho Rosenstroik, who did it just a couple years ago. Knocks out Arlovsky in the first round. What's his next matchup? Also against Alistair Overeem. But more importantly, main event of an ESPN card. So in my head, I go, if Aspinall knocks out Arlovsky in the first round, do I really see him getting that kind of fight next? And I don't. So in my head, I'm like, okay. So that shows me that Aspinall is still kind of green. He's still working his way up. So I thought it might be just just a bit much too soon. Not really the case here. He passed the test. Um, with that, I think it's I'm ready to see him fight top 15. If I'm being honest, yeah. You know what I appreciate most about Aspinall, and this was the same way after his second win in the UFC. He knows his place, mm-hmm. so he's not going to do some outrageous, unrealistic call out. He knows his goals and where he wants to be, but he realizes where he is now and all the work he still has to do. And I respect that when a fighter can just say it outright. Right. And he had the perfect call out. He literally said, you know. Dawkins and Olenek are fighting tonight. I'd love to fight the winner of that one. Olenek being number 10 in the uh, UFC rankings. Dawkins unranked, but much like Aspinall, also was 2-0 going into last night. Also both via first-round KO-TKO. These guys are literally on the same track yeah. right next to one another, and we'll get into that fight in a second. But Well, I'm curious. Is that going to be your fight? For matchmaking, yes. I, I so You do ask. Now, here's the problem. It's two prospects, right? Both 3-0 and in the UFC. All three via finish. Dawkins has finished all three of his in the first round KOTKO. Yeah. Aspinall finished two KOTKO first round and now a second round submission. Both guys got the featured win of their career last night. Arlovsky, former champ, Olenek, top 10. Mm-hmm. So, if you're the UFC, do you want to pair your two biggest prospects in the division right now together, or do you want to wait? Just when it's clear. a little more important, because Dawkins said the exact same thing. He said, yeah, I'll fight Aspinall, but wouldn't it be cool to see it a little bit later when it's a little more important? And I was like, oh, you you sly dog. That's why I'm not. I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i let you. Is that what you want to go uh, with? I'm going to go with it anyway. Yeah. I love that No, fight. I think it's a Dawkins, great fight. Aspinall. I'm going to go with Walt Harris. Ooh, yeah. So Walt Harris, a guy who's had a tough go of things in 2020, he lost... Uh, versus um, Overeem. He lost to Reem, yeah. Um, a fight where he looked really good early, but then he got tired after he couldn't finish Overeem. Reem came back. One last stand. You know. Volkov, man. And then Volkov, the body, the kicks. body kicks. Woo. So Walt Harris on a bit of a skid on his way down. This is a fight against a guy who, again, a very tough prospect, a guy who's really working his way up. But it's a step back for Harris in that way, at least prove it if you want to go by accreditation. While Aspinall, that's his chance to get into the top 15. Not only get in there, but get into around, while well, Harris is going to be around 12, 
because right now he's 11, mm-hmm. but Dawkins is going to move in there in front of Olenek. So um, I like that fight. I think it's a great stand-up fight, but also um, it would be interesting to see if Aspinall would continue to try to maybe grapple a little bit because Walt Harris is not necessarily... He's a good grappler, isn't he? Um, I mean... I mean, I guess just, he's, I he's kind of like a heavyweight Derek Brunson, but not as wrestle heavy. I, I just feel like he doesn't really. I don't feel like we see it a whole lot from him. And once he's on his back, he's really not yeah. in a good yeah. spot. But I mean, I suppose with all these heavyweights, they kind of do pretty well when they're on top. Well, what was that stat you sent me last night about Aspinall's submission? Um, oh, so yeah, so I'll talk about that. This is interesting. Essentially, um, let me see if I can find it here. There have only been. 19, this is from Ariel Hawani's Twitter account. There have only been 19 rear naked chokes in UFC heavyweight history, including Aspinall that happened Saturday night. Alexi Olenek has two wins by rear naked choke, but no other fighter has more than one. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, so it's just interesting that he was able to do it to Arlovsky, of all people, and that it... And it shows how many heavyweight fights just finished by KO. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Heavyweight division continues to be just so weird when you yeah, consider the, the the lack of title defenses before yeah. Stipe came along. You know, it's just so interesting. But Walt Harris, give me that fight. That is a good. There's fight. a few options. I mean, JDS was sticking out to me, but I just I don't want to see that for JDS at this point. Actually, if you want to go on the loser, Arlovsky versus JDS. Yeah, you could do that. They haven't fought before. Isn't that crazy? You know, I, I'm big on when heavyweights, though, like similar to Blades and Lewis, haven't fought before. Because mm-hmm. so many of them have seemed to f- have matched up at some time or another. So, yeah. Like, I it'd be easy for me to say Arlovsky should retire, but that man. He still doesn't look bad. No. I mean, I know he got submitted and it looked relatively easy, but before that, he weathered a storm. He was landing a few shots. Like, And I really thought JDS should retire, because I do. I mean, the guy... But at the same time, a fight with Arlovsky, legend fight, I wouldn't mind it. Do it. So that's what I'm going to go with. I don't know if you you had any... Did you have any matchmaking for Arlovsky? Honestly, none in mind. I don't hate him and JDS. Or him and Olenek. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get in on Olenek in a second. So we're going to move on to the second fight of the evening. Um, A bit of a dud. Middleweight, Phil Hall's getting that majority decision over Nassar Dean Imavov. Dom, I know you probably have a lot of thoughts. This yeah. was your predicted fight of the night. Didn't quite live up. By the way, I'm actually going with Aspinall Arlovsky for fight of the night. For as exciting as this card was, none of these fights on the main card quite stood out as being a fight of the night. Right. Either they just kind of got finished too early or... They weren't the the fights that went to decision were either a little too one sided or just not that great. Mm-hmm. And then our main event was just like kind of getting started before, like it kind of got stopped right when it was starting to maybe get a little better. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that that's why I'm going Aspinall Arlovsky. It was kind of the fight I had the most fun with on the main card. But Halls Imavov, go ahead, give us your thoughts. You know, I was so looking forward to this because this matchmaking was so good. Both guys were nine and two, tons of finishes, six fight win streak, five fight win streak. Oh, I was all about it. Phil Halls, the contender series guy. But uh, you know, he came out with a wrestle uh, heavy approach, which I don't hate on. I appreciate all aspects of the game. Don't we know? Mm-hmm. We appreciate it all. Um, but I think he realized early on that Imavov was a beast on the feet. Like, when he touched Halls, he was hurting Halls. Yeah. And Halls wanted no part of it. So the first two rounds, 
was off all halls. You know, he ha- held him against the clinch. If he wasn't on the clinch, then he had him in the gr- on the ground. Not too much ground and pound. He was really just kind of doing what he needed to do to get the nod on the scorecards. The third round, Imavov had halls hurt. Mm-hmm. He had him on the wobbly legs. And I think he could have finished the fight had he been just a tad more aggressive and just kept throwing. But he would hurt Halls and then allow Halls to clinch him. And Halls is so strong that he just couldn't get back out of the clinch to get, you know, yeah. open it back up in the middle of the cage. So part of me was like, oh, Imavov, man, like, if he <laughs> just gets some separation, it's going to take one more yeah. shot and he's going to fall. But then I picked Halls to win. So I was like, well, I guess I do want Halls to hold on. But. Not a bunch of takeaways here. Hall's now on a six-fight win streak, though. Before that, all five of them had came via first-round KOT. Well, let's talk submission. about how he was on the main card for UFC 254 yeah, and it against, took- uh, forget the guy's name, the guy who he trains with, uh, I think he trains with Wicker or something like that. He may. All I know is he got him out in 18 seconds. Yeah, that was insane. Yeah. However, it was so interesting to see him kind of look like, the it was, lesser of, of the two on the you know, feet. Maybe it was just one of those nights where something wasn't Yeah, you know, I you still know? have some hopes for these two and really for Halls. That was the guy that I was really excited about getting this place on the main card. Um, but they just didn't really... There's really not much to take away, and there's not really much to be excited about right now for these yeah. two, in so, my opinion. Had he came out there and like starched another opponent and made it six straight, I would have been like, okay... <laughs> You and Sean Strickland. Sean Strickland just now got yeah, ranked 15th yeah, at middleweight. Right. That's a fire matchup. But then I was like, ah, okay. He's good. I just he think did what he had to do to win. Maybe he just had an off night or something. Yeah. One more. Yep. He needs just, one more. I now. think he might just be a bit too green for it right now. Right. And Imavov, um, man, like I said, he's got n- nice striking. He's, he was fighting out of Paris, France. So shout out to the guys like him and uh, Cyril Gane, who we're going to talk about this week. He didn't look bad, but again, I just felt that there were some openings for him to finish or at least capitalize and have a huge moment, and he, he couldn't do it, or mm-hmm. you know, he allowed Halls to just have his will. So both these guys still have a relatively high ceiling, but one more fight for Halls, being that he's the winner, and then maybe we'll be talking a number. Get okay. a guy with a number. Yeah, you know, I, I, I will agree with that, especially once you told me the win streak he's on. Yeah. It's going to be hard to deny it, even if his next one is a bit of a similar dud. Right. You know, it's just, eventually you got to just kind of be like, all right, let's see what he does when he's given yeah. a guy who's going to bring it right back. But, yeah, just not a ton to take away. Moving on. Chris Dawkins, Alexia Linick, we kind of talked about this one a little Chris bit. Chris freaking Dawkins. Yeah, so uh, go Shout ahead. Shout out to him, by the way. Similar to Stipe, he's a uh, police officer. Full time when yeah. he's not training. Yeah, Steve that's right. a fire. So I definitely, uh, definitely appealed to me a little yeah. bit here and that. Shout oh. out to Chris Dawkins, and he said, you know, he's looking forward come July to finally get out of the force and make MMA his full time gig. His brother, of course, a UFC middleweight from the Contender Series. Uh, let's see, his name might be Grant. I, I'm blanking off the top of my head, but his brother uh, was Contender Series winner, and he's doing big things trying to make his way up the middleweight in a get a contender spot in the top 15. So shout out to the two brothers and man Dawkins looked good. And I I predicted Olenek to win this. Yeah, I did. Because too. I didn't know if Dawkins was going to be able to just defend his takedowns and I knew if it got to the feet or to the ground Olenek's going to submit him. 
We're talking about a guy that had 46 submissions coming into this fight, which is just uncomprehensible in my tiny brain. The dogs looked good. He defended all takedown attempts, even though there weren't that many good ones. And uh, he really beat up Olenek bad. And uh, it, it was hard to watch for Olenek, in my opinion. And I, You know, 43 years old, now on a two-fight skid, both via KO, TKO. It might be time to hang it up solely for the fact that when it's on the feet, Olenek can't really compete with these heavy hitters at heavyweight. But if he gets you down, he'll still be good. But the problem is every fight starts on the feet, and he got beat up very bad. I think the stoppage was okay, but at the same time, at one point Olenek looked at the ref as if he was almost like, please stop the fight. And at that point I was like, oh man, this this is getting a little intense so you know sucks for Olenek maybe just time to start weighing your options but man Chris Dawkins, love it love it love it three KOTKs all in the first round like I mentioned earlier him and Aspinall I'd love to see it later but I want that shit right now so this is what's interesting because I, I don't you know I, I wasn't really prepared to think of Dawkins as like this borderline top 10 guy by getting that win over now Olenek. Is. Now he is. Um, the match that's going to kind of be the one for me, Augusto Sakai. Yeah, I thought that's what you would say. Uh, another kind of prove it here. Sakai kind of being another one of those heavyweight prospects now turning into somewhat of a contender, but his last fight being against Alistair Overeem where he got pretty much handled for the majority of the fight got beat up quite a bit um, showing maybe he's being pushed a little too fast but then you place these two guys against each other you could do um, the fight with Aspinall but I'm just I don't really I think that they've they're they're still work get you know they haven't faltered yet yeah Sakai kind of had that he has that red now his last fight loss he got to start going backwards again I think a fight with Dawkins makes a lot of sense. Dawkins does have three losses, two of them via all three via finish, two of them via TKO KO. He's not, you know, in heavyweights. None of these guys. Anybody has a KO shot. But yeah. you know, um, even before this win over Olenek, Dawkins had a win over Parker Porter. Yep. Who Very tough guy. Had a guy. really good win over Josh Parisian. Mm-hmm. So, I, I definitely think that a fight with Sakai makes a lot of sense. Even Shamil Abdurrahimov. That's another kind of veteran. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to see him go up against a guy like Sakai, who's maybe a little more, little Near bit him. more youthful. Yeah. Maybe gives a little bit more to the speed, the power that can maybe match Dawkins in all aspects. So that's what I'm looking for. I like it. Moving on, we are on to featherweight fight: Derek Minner, Charles Rosa. Pretty lopsided one here. If you like grappling, this was so, the one. So. Let me just start with Charles Rosa. I really did like Charles Rosa for quite a while. However, he is very much a grappler. That is that is his bread and butter, supposedly. You know, he's got eight wins via submission out of his 13. You know, he's constantly go, looking for those takedowns, looking to do some work on his back or in the top position, whatever it might be. But this two out of his last three fights have came against Bryce Mitchell and now Derek Minner. And I yeah. know these are both studs on the ground as well, but he got completely 
handled in both of them. Yeah, his only answer in this one was to try and throw like armbar <laughs> attempts from the bottom, and it was just never really close. So, I'm just gonna say that I don't have much faith in Rosa's uh, aspects. I guess moving forward to really compete with the top of this division because he's very focused on the one aspect. It's very much he's a grappler. That's what he does. However. We've seen him be outclassed multiple times in the last year mm-hmm. at grappling. And one was against Bryce Mitchell, who is a top 15 featherweight. And then now you got Derek Minner, who I guess was working his way there. He's all of a sudden knocking on the door. So it just, and he's already 34. I'm just a little nervous about Rosa's prospects for the future of this division. He might be a guy that his ceiling's just not as high as. I would like it to be, considering how good he's looked in the past. Mm. He even had a good bounce-back win over Kevin Aguilar. Yeah, he's had a crazy stretch of so, fights. <laughs> I mean, he's even had lo- the losses to Shane Berger. I know you mm-hmm. talked about this Friday. His losses are pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Dennis Seaver, Yair Rodriguez, Shane Burgos went to a split decision with Yair Rodriguez. Seaver was his freaking UFC debut. <laughs> yeah, so he's had definitely not an easy road, but I just I, I think maybe we, he's reached – he is who he is. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if I'm going to see him ever be a top 15 fighter. Gotcha. But still, Derek Minner. Derek Minner looked good, man. Very good jiu-jitsu. Look how good he did. Outclassed a guy like Charles Rosa, who was so good on the ground. Mm Mm-hmm. You gotta be excited about his prospects moving forward. So, what are your kind of your thoughts on the fight as a whole? Yeah, man. I mean, I guess part of that does go to show the expert, like the veteranness of Charles Rosa and the competition he's been there in there with. Minner couldn't finish him, but man, he just controlled it the whole time, and he looked so good. And he tried, you know, the submission attempts. He had arm triangles very close to being locked in multiple times. I was very impressed. I love. You know, a lot of people hate on the grapple heavy fights, but ones like that last night are kind of fun. Just watching all the transitions, and you're like, oh, maybe he is going to lock in an arm bar. Maybe he's going to lock in a choke. So overall, Minner looked good. Um, so now it's just like, okay, let's see him get tested mm-hmm. on the feet. Yeah, I agree. And uh, so I think he is knocking on the door of top 15, but I'm not going to go quite just yet. Because yeah, number 15 either. right now at that weight class is a... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, Ivalov, I forget his first name. Hold on, it's right here on my screen. It's a uh, Mosvar Ivalov, who's fourteen and zero, and that dude's an absolute beast, and he's on a tear right now. So mm-hmm. not yet for Minner, but I think one more win, especially if he looks really convincing, and he's finished most of his fights, most via submission. So if he can come in and especially finish his next one, he's right there, ready to take on yeah. or get a number. I so. have the same thoughts, and I really thought Rosa was going to win this, so a big yeah. win for Minner. Uh, really showcasing what he can do, and um, right now you got to be thinking pretty positive about him. Maybe how far he can go with this it remains to be seen. But of a great test on the ground, and he passed. And yeah, I mean, aspect. if we could ever get him and Mitchell potentially lined up, that'd, <laughs> that'd be, be fun. fun as hell. Yeah, well, especially now with Mitchell showing what he can do on yeah, the feet. In exactly. Last night with Feely, co-main event time, and I'm a bit. Dis- I was a bit disappointed in this one, um, actually. I didn't tell you this, so you don't have to believe me. But this would have been the fight I had predicted to be fight of the night, funny enough. Really? Yeah. Didn't happen that way, in my opinion. So, Yana Kuniskaya does get a unanimous decision win over Ketlin Vieira. 
I had Ketlin winning this fight. Yeah, I'm just gonna be honest. This was a tough night for my predictions. I went one and five. I, I went two and four. And that worry. one was Phil Halls, who barely won that fight. <laughs> I almost went at Ofer. That would have been the first. That would have been the first. <laughs> However, Yana does get the win, and you know, I don't want to be too hard on Ketlin Vieira because I do think she's still a very good fighter, very good for this division. Only lost before last night was to Aldana. Yes, I just think that. Last night really showed me how good Kunitskaya Yep, is. I agree. And, you know, it's not fair to her, but she was immediately, before she was ready, placed in a high-profile title Thrown fight. into the wolves. With Chris Cyborg at featherweight. Yes. And she got brutalized in that fight. Yep. So since then, haven't heard t- too much about her. She flies under the radar. Yeah, I mean, this was her definitely her first time being a co-main since then, but... I don't even know if how much she's been on the main card of even fight night since then. But what did you say before? She's how she, so she came in at featherweight, like you said. Ever since she dropped down to bantamweight. For those of you who don't know, Yana was a former bantamweight champion in Invicta, mm-hmm. which is where all or most of the top tier women's fighters in the UFC come from these days. So that's the type of fighter we're talking about here with Yana. But then she got thrown in with Cyborg at 145. But ever since she dropped down to 135, her natural weight class, she really is long and just really seems to fit well at 135 pounds. Mm-hmm. She's 4-1 and one now in the weight class. Only lost to Aspen Ladd. Mm-hmm. Aspen Ladd is one of the most highly touted prospects in all of the UFC women's divisions <laughs> yeah. right now. Yeah. So if that tells you anything about her, she just got a top six victory over Ketlin. And she looked damn good. Now listen, round one, all Ketlin in my opinion. She just controlled it on the ground. But Ketlin never did anything with her positioning was the issue. Round two, Yana looked amazing. Dominated the entire second round. Had top control. Her ground and pound looked great. She outnumbered striking-wise to Ketlin, I think, 170 to, like, 30 or 40, which is crazy. I just, I couldn't believe it was that lopsided. Yeah, yeah. Maybe She was active from the bottom. Because in the third round, she was on the bottom the whole time. But Ketlin, again, not doing anything with her positioning. Then Yana reverses it to finish the fight, lands some nasty elbows, cut Ketlin open very badly, and that's what won the fight for. Yeah. She stole the third round. Yeah, she did. And you know what? I'm, you I'm gotta, fine you, with yeah, it. I like it when a, guy, when a guy or girl, I should say in this case, uh, does take a risk. You know, She recognizes her positioning, being that she's on the bottom, being that she's possibly losing a fight, and she goes for it. Yeah. While Ketlin Vieira was playing it very safe, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And that showed in the striking numbers. This fight did feel closer than maybe it really was. Yeah. Again, yeah. when you That's talk about striking, it. it felt so close, but it, it really, Yana was all offense. Yeah, yeah. Ketlin was all defense. If, if you're a judge in this fight, you're looking at it from one of two ways. Are you going to give it to Ketlin because of all the top control time? Mm. Or are you going to give it to Yana because she was way more active from the bottom, and when she was on the top, she was doing damage? Well, my opinion and this is a quote from Dana White, it's about damage. Yeah. Yana definitely... And you can't finish a fight better than how she did. Yeah. So oh, I And I definitely... That definitely excites me a little more for her in the future because this is, again, at Bantamweight, which is at very much a stalemate right now. Mm-hmm. You know, again, who are the top two under Amanda? Jermaine Durandamy, Holly Holm. Two people who've been there <coughs> and have lost to the champ already. Yep. Yes, you got people like Aspen Ladd, Aldana, Juliana Pena, you know, now Yana Kunitskaya, Ketlin Vieira. They're all kind of knocking on the door, but 
these women below them have been shown so far to be incapable of beating those top two in JDR, GDR, mm-hmm. I keep seeing JDR, and Holly Holm. So it's like those two at the top are basically like playing Red Rover, and if you get past them, you get a chance to fight Amanda Nunes, but nobody seems to be able to get past them. Yeah. So it's just left the division at a bit of a stalemate. And that's a credit to Holman Duran to me, of course. But I'm going to get into kind of who I think should be next for these two ladies. There's one that's pretty clear. For Yana. For Yana Kunitskaya, I'm thinking Aspen Lab. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Rematch. Oh, yeah. Aspen KOTKO'd her in the third round. But how long ago did that she, happen? She's on a three fight win streak now. She's Yana has won three fights. So since truthfully, then. I told you before we started recording, kind of my thoughts here. Holly Holm just being matched up with Pena, I think leaves GDR with Aldana. Yeah, uh, Lad and Yana, by the way, were December of nineteen. So I think you can run that fight back. I mean, maybe oh, you don't. That, I don't. That know. was actually Lad's last fight, though. Was it really? But Yana's fought three times since, so All that's right, fine. where the issue fine. is. Fine, I'm going to go Kunitskaya, Irene Aldana. That's that, what I was going to do. I'll do it, because I, that does... You if know, it, it, I didn't know that that is Aspen's last time fighting. If that weren't the case, I think you could do the rematch. Yeah, I but know. But Aspen didn't fight at all. I did not even realize yeah, that. Yeah, so I, I didn't realize that either. Yana's so been I'll, active. I'll go Aldana. I'll leave kind of GDR in an awkward spot, but that's not my problem. That's the fight I would go with. I think that's very exciting. Aldana has shown that she has some power on the feet. Well, it's cool now because, you know, the only two people to beat Ketlin are now Yana and Aldana. Yeah, so you might that, that makes sense. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I went on, I did a recap, like I said, article. And I said, Yana can become a title contender again, this time in her natural weight class. Uh, and I, I really do see that in her. And uh, I think... Again, for the sake of parity in the division, she could literally go out and beat Aldana. And I know she'd only be number four, but the way the division is, you never freaking know. Like, they're always looking for new title contenders. So it's like, okay, maybe she beats Aldana, and assuming Aspen Ladd fights one more time, then we can do that rematch for a number one contender fight. Or maybe she just gets a title fight next, depending on how the division plays out. There's so many options in a division like this where the top two people have already lost to the champion but they don't lose to anyone else, right. seemingly, you yeah. know what I mean? So uh, I, I do believe in Jan, I really do. And, you know, her fiancé, Tiago Santos, yeah. by the way, just saying. Hell of a training That's partner. That's a power couple right Yeah, there. hell of a training partner. <laughs> and, uh, you know, for Ketlin, she's going to have to take a step back, right? Coming off a loss, not a bad loss. I don't think you're going to like who I'm going to place her with, but I, I feel like I, I, I just think it... You... <laughs> How do I... <laughs> So, I know Ketlin losing here, you would think, okay, she's going to fight backwards, right? I'm actually going to put her with Aspen Ladd. Really? Yeah. Okay. And that has to do with Aspen Ladd's inactivity, yeah. as you just mentioned. Um, that This is totally off the dome, but I'm just saying, I think it's still a good I fight. I think Aspen would take that fight. Because both, both women, you know, Aspen Ladd has shown a lot of skills in a lot of different places, but Ketlin's very much been deadly on the ground. Mm-hmm. So, I think it does add a wrinkle there where it's a test for Ladd. Showing where she's at. Is she really growing? You know, is she still improving even though she's not been fighting That's for a good this? Fight. I mean, you just have to look year. at who hasn't fought each other, you know? That's um, what I'm going off of. And I don't really, I don't really want to see Ketlin go too far back here because I think a lot of these women behind her, once you go behind her and like Sarah McMahon, 
you know, the, the herd tends to thin out a little bit. I think that these are all matchups that, while maybe some of these women below her could win, I feel like she's, I think there's a level from like Sarah McMahon on, mm-hmm. like, and I think from nine down, it's just not quite there yet. Yeah. I, I was going to do number 10, Macy Kiazen. So she's seven and one, only lost to Lena Landsberg, who's a veteran of the UFC women's divisions. So take a little step back. She's probably going to get put at number seven. Macy's number 10. Like I said, she's coming off of a win. Macy is Catlin off of a loss. It'd be a big step up for Macy, the biggest name that she would have fought so far in her career. Uh, I wasn't. I was thinking McMahon or uh, Renew, but McMahon just came off of a loss. Renew's lost like three or four in a row. So I think putting Catlin up with another kind of prospect label in uh, Macy would be a fun fight. Mm-hmm. But her and Aspen is cool. Yeah, I, I know ranking-wise it might not make the most sense, but Aspen Ladd does need to kind of... She needs to fight somebody. And I just don't... Her and GDR doesn't make sense, in my opinion, based off the same reason I'm not going to do Ladd and uh, Kunitskaya. Yeah. So I think you do that one. Capiche? Capiche. <laughs> Main event time. I love that word. <laughs> Derek Lewis. I mean, this is, this is a big one. Holy that, shit. That uppercut. I'm Just go ahead. The uppercut from hell over Curtis Blades. Uh, out cold. Yeah. You yeah. listen, man. Well, talk about round one first. Okay, round one. Curtis Blades looked good. Yeah, he did. He looked good on the feet. No <laughs> wrestling at all in right. round one. I don't even know if he even. I think he had technically attempted one takedown, but it wasn't very. It wasn't like a full Flu- on. Well, it was very fluid. But on that man, his leg kicks yeah. taking a toll. You could looked, totally. He, you just he felt landing. like he. It felt like he, he looked was really growing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And maybe was trying to prove a point a bit because he's been kind of that guy, and I kind of respect him for it, who's been so brutally honest in his assessment of who he is as a fighter and yeah. what his game plans are. And he kind of was going against that a little bit here. Yeah, and, um, he, and he was winning. But he was winning. He looked you know, good. Lewis wasn't looking great early on. I think Lewis was so ready. Re- just ready for the takedown yeah. that he couldn't let his hands go in a normal striking yeah. match, and it showed because in the second round, <laughs> very early on, was it minute 26? Yep. Curtis did go in for the all-out normal takedown we're used to seeing, and uh, this was one of the most perfectly timed uh, KO punches you'll ever witness. Yep. Curtis shot in. Um, <laughs> Derek cocked back yep. the right, right uppercut. Whoop! See ya. Um, so it was weird. Blades was like wrapped around Curtis's midsection and asleep at the same time. Yeah. And then he just slow motion like <laughs> fell. I wish I wish they could see us. Yeah. Slow motion fell over. I was literally like, "What the fuck just happened?" It happened so like almost hidden to where you could barely even see the uppercut land, and then the follow up shots. Ooh, those were pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. Derek Lewis, man, he said he, they trained that. Same uppercut for 12 straight weeks every day in practice. Well, I believe it after I what I saw it. last night. I believe it. And, you know, shout out to Derek Lewis. Also said he's one of the most badass blue belts in the whole state of Texas, by the way. So you got to respect <laughs> him there. And I, another fun thing he said, there's nothing like a post-fight presser with Derek Lewis. I know. He said the reason it was so cold in Texas this past week was because his hot balls were in Vegas for the fight. <laughs> So. so I didn't listen to the post-fight yeah. interview, so this yeah. is uh, 
He also said he's already oiled up, so he's ready to clap Overeem's cheeks. He said that's the fight he wants next. (laughs) He wants Overeem. He wants Overeem. Then he goes on to say he really doesn't care who he fights next. We're talking about (laughs) Derek Lewis about to be ranked number two. Yeah. And here's the thing. Normally, and I said this on Friday, this would have been a number one contender fight. Problem is, John Jones threw a wrench into everything. He really did. Because he is now the number one contender, even though he hasn't fought at heavyweight. He's, literally, so. he's literally waiting for the winner of Stipe and Ganu. And uh, so I, I heard a lot of people last night and even asking Derek, like, would you maybe want to welcome John? And kind of like that. And he's like, man, I'll fight anybody. I was like, yeah. John is John. John's not, it you know appears I mean? John's not going to do what I thought John's he might. a tune-up. Yeah. Or not a tune-up, but well, a fight to just get something in your belt. Yeah, because, I mean, it's a lot to take on either Stipe or Nganu in your first fight at heavyweight. Yeah, I don't care who you are. So I don't want to call it a tune-up because a guy, I said Curtis Blades. Yeah. Who is a very tough fighter, and yeah. I'm not even going to say he, that Curtis Blades couldn't win that fight. Yeah. I'm just saying that he has yet to prove that he is either Ngannou or Stipe, as yeah. far as how good he is. Um, but it doesn't appear he's going to do that. It looks like he's literally going to be fighting for the belt in his first fight at heavyweight. And again, you know, it kind of stinks because we've never seen <clears throat> Derek Lewis and Stipe. No, we you haven't. You know what I mean? And we're probably and never going to see it. However, so when I'm going, if we're going to kind of transition into the matchmaking here. Mm-hmm. Um, Derek Lewis is going to move to number two, but the fight that I would want to see... The, w- the winner, pro- the winner of yeah. Rosenstreich, uh, Gane, and that sucks because literally two weeks ago we were like, "Oh, Volkov fights the winner of that fight. That's what you got to do. Yeah. He fights the winner of Gane Rosenstreich." They <laughs> this shows how yet. this shows how much the but MMA but like we can't do Volkov and uh, Derek Lewis again. I mean, you could. That was a couple years ago, but like that's probably not going to yeah. happen, right? So it's like, oh well, damn it. What does Volkov do? Because he just fought Curtis Blades. A lot of it depends on who wins so, that fight between uh, I'm gonna say, and Gane. One of the guys from Rosenstreich Gane is going to fight Lewis. <laughs> yeah. And the other one is going to fight Volkov. Well, how about we, just put, it, how about we just put it like this? Let's do <laughs> Derek Lewis versus Jarzinho Rosenstreich. And then let's do Volkov versus Gane. No matter because, what happens. Because Rosenstreich and Volkov has already happened. And... You know, Gane, even with the win over Rosenstreich, he's still so yeah. fresh. Yeah. He would be it, fresh in the, the it does It five. really wins over any of these guys can put you in place for a title shot. Yeah. So, it's it, to me, it's it almost like the numbers don't even matter that much. It's just these guys are all high level, but they're all kind of grouped together. Yeah. And it's like, you got your two guys fighting for the belt, then you got John Jones, and then, whoop, there's yeah. the herd. Yeah, yeah. There's everybody else. Um. What are your thoughts on Derek wanting to fight Overeem, just out of curiosity? Um, no, don't love it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't love it for Overeem, but uh, at the same time, man, I could totally see Overeem. What if Overeem would have beat Volkov? Oh, then yeah. Of completely. But being the way that he the lost The way that Volkov, he lost, I'm yeah, like kind of yeah. hoping that maybe Overeem's done. Fair enough. But if it happens, will I be excited? Of course. Yeah. And Overeem might... Man, that's surprising people. You never know. But, you know, he might get his cheeks clapped. <laughs> I just wanted Derek to get Lewis said, Yeah, Derek Lewis. No, I love Overeem, and I, I, I love uh, Derek Lewis. And, you know, Lewis's attitude to MMA is so interesting. He literally goes, I hate this shit. <laughs> He's like, this shit's a job oh, to me. Something else he said. I'm glad you're mm-hmm. talking about how he is as a person. He said, he said, man, I don't want no more five-round fights. <laughs> he said, I want a three-round fight next. And they're like, well, don't you want to be a main event? And he's like... Hell no, I don't want to fight five rounds. Five round fights suck. 
He said his body just quits on him. He said his body hates him when he does five-round fights. Yeah, so, so uh, it appears his attitude is always like, this is a job. Yeah. He's like, I don't give a fuck about MMA. He's like, I'm just doing this shit for a paycheck. And, and like, he you did get a bonus, by the way. Kind of respect it. Yeah. But uh, it, it, he just 16 gets, and 5. His legacy is just, it's going to be so interesting to look back look on. Look at the guys he's fought. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, the guy's really built quite a legacy for himself not only for being a character but also for the fighter Damn. he is the 12 knockouts yeah tied for first all time obviously the most ever as yeah. a heavyweight he's got one i think now <laughs> let's see andre's number one at heavyweight for wins at 19 lewis now has 16 i believe he's tied for third or even second he has more wins at heavyweight than stipe yeah, Stipe has fourteen. Just to put it into perspective yeah. a little bit. So he's been doing it for a while, and he's—I mean—he just always almost seems... at an underrated level. Well, you like, know, in a lot of ways, he's until kinda... that Volkov win, he was underrated. All oh, to definitely, a extent, definitely. You know? you know, he's had—I mean, those five losses—they—they they have came in high-profile matchups. He did lose to Mark Hunt back mm-hmm. in the day, and like one of his first headliners. Um, then he knocked out Travis Brown and. Said where where's Ronda Rousey's Ronda Rousey's <laughs> yeah. fine ass at and uh, I mean he lost to JDS that was the last yeah. fight Junior yeah. won I mean it's just he's fought literally almost everybody in the freaking <laughs> and then he fight. lost to Cormier for a title yeah a fight he took a month after beating Volkov in a fight that he was losing yeah. Yeah. until the last ten seconds yeah just madness the guy's career is just really what interesting to look back on what a guy that might be an episode down the road in a couple of years all Derek just Lewis. a career retrospective. <laughs> It might be interesting, but yeah, I mean, really, the matchmaking here is kind of—it's easy for us. It it's hard, sense. but it's easy. Yeah. It's hard because I like to give the one name, yeah. but it's easy because I'm not going to be upset really who gets placed with who. Let, let's see who wins Gane yeah. Rosenstroik and how they win. Yep, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. So we'll, we'll probably we'll talk we'll, about it this yeah. week. So yeah. um, that's pretty much it or a for week from now. UFC Vegas 19. Correct. UFC Vegas. Yeah, Vegas 19. They're they're racking up. Yeah. Next hey. will be 20. <laughs> so uh, as for the rest of the week, Wednesday we're this, back. This one's a little extra special. It's the second edition of this or that. Mm-hmm. And now the concept being that me and Dom kind of just go. We just kind of go. I now, mean, the first one is very. Centered like, on 20, what do we want to see in twenty twenty one fights that could happen in twenty twenty one. Yeah, and we're still kind of working the kinks out on like this concept, but yeah. the whole purpose of it is to present options to one another, and we pick, and we pick, and then we discuss. Yeah. And yeah, it's all tailored around fights, but it can branch out a little bit, yeah. you know. Yeah. And and we won't delve into that just in case we do that in this episode. But we're just gonna surprise you. Just. Be on the lookout for that on Wednesday. We're really, we really like doing the first episode, so I'm thinking this is going to be a series we're really this or that, that first episode. If you guys haven't seen our first this or that, we really love that episode. Go check that out for all the fights yeah. we want. And I talked a lot more in detail in that episode about what the concept is and yeah. whatnot. So go there. I'm still working it out, but it's one of our favorites to do, and I, I, I think it's appropriate to do a second one here. Um, so that's coming Wednesday. Then you got Friday. Another fight night, UFC Vegas 20. The heavyweights are just banging in February. Taking over February. Jarzinho Rosenstroik versus Surreal Gan. We're high on Gan. Gane. Gane, excuse me. I just like Gan better, but Gane. We gotta have that French. Yeah. And you know what? This fight night's actually really good. This is, yeah, yeah. And honestly, 
the, the prelims on this one are stacking up. They're they're damn near a fight night in their own. Yeah, but honestly. you're headlined with Rosenstreit Gane, um, light heavyweight is a big one for yes, Kilmaine, Nikita Krylov, Magomed Ankalaev. Um, Our rescheduled bout between Munoz and Rivera. Yeah, that's a huge that's one. A if you want to go off the prelims, I mean, Alexander Hernandez, Tiago Moises is He's, a great Tiago Moises has been on the podcast. William long. Knight, Alonzo Menafield, honestly dumb. Randy Brown, Alex Oliveira. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> it's a six-fight main card, but I think we might be talking We might have more. to do a little bit more. We might have to do a bit more. So, be on the lookout for that on Friday. I might just do all 13 fights. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, look on, be on the lookout on the, for that. Jeez, can't talk. It's all right. We're excited. <laughs> on Friday. But until then, Dominic Salee, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at DSalee14. More importantly, find the podcast on Twitter, on Instagram at B-A-J- underscore MMA podcast. And if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at NTBaker underscore, you'll be taken to our links tree, which gives you the links to all the platforms that the podcast is on, along with our social media platforms. That includes the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, and Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. It's all on there, baby. And there's a couple links for the anchor page. First, Mm -hmm. leaving a voice message. Yeah, yeah. If you have thoughts about an upcoming fight, a Mm -hmm. news story, if you want to give your predictions, tell us hi or say we're a piece of shit. Yeah. You got 60 seconds to do so. Mm-hmm. And there's another link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That just provides us with a few dollars a month and all that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast. Whether it be audio equipment or down the line doing a video podcast. So again, you can find all that if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at ntbaker underscore. But with that, we're out. We'll see y'all on 